0: Hi, this is Tyler schnooty and you're listening to On Your Way Out, a podcast of Providence Church. On this platform, we're having conversations with members of our community and beyond about making more and better disciples of Jesus and what it means for us as we leave the walls of the church building and enter the world. So welcome into the Provcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of On Your Way Out. I am Tyler, and I am joined today by a good friend of ours, and he is the Director of Faith Formation at Holland Christian, somebody that we know well. He's a friend of mine, a someone who I respect deeply, and I know someone that many of you know well as well. It is David Mustard. Hello. David, thanks for being here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. Uh, talk to me a little bit about just the school year that's been going on so far with Holland Christian. Obviously, everybody in education this year is experiencing a little bit of some new challenges, but um, talk to me a little bit about how that's been for you so far. Yeah, I mean, there's... For the most part, it's the same way we do things because
1: education is rooted in relationships, and in that relationship, you're able to dig deeply into the things that God wants to show, reveal, and thrust you into as a follower of his to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so in a lot of ways, there's a lot of similarities to every other Mm -hmm. year. Um, And what we've realized is that the student body has embraced that reality well. Yeah. And if that means I have to wear a mask to be able to do that, sure. that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. like that is an easy hurdle to get over. Sure. Um, and so that's good. That's um, awesome. And again, like that means sometimes because of positive cases, things change and there's, there's different pieces. But at the core, uh, at the very foundation, and then a lot of what is built onto that is all the same. And it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. It's been yeah. a good. It's been a good start. A uh, challenge that we've given to our students is: yes, this year will be different. Yeah. So be different. Mm-hmm. Like we have an opportunity to be the hope and light of Jesus in the midst of it. Just because it's different doesn't mean that our mission has changed. It is an opportunity to go higher up and deeper in. So be different. Right. How cool would that be is if the world saw an opportunity of Christian students or Christians in general rise up and say, we're going to live differently. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're encouraging our students to do.
0: And they have done that beautifully. It's awesome. And I think that's a a great, I think, segue into what we're talking about even as a church at large. Mm. Um so if you have picked up on it, we're talking the last couple of weeks about the words that are on our wall and the staff over the last year, as, as many organizations have, um, just maybe due to uh, the necessity, we've talked about the things that we think about our vision moving forward. And um, we, I think there was a part of us that we're looking at our, our mission statement, our values, and we're thinking, do these reflect what we're about and what we want to be about moving forward? And I think the answer is yes, they are mm-hmm. what we're about. Um, we want to make more and better disciples of Jesus. Yeah. We want to encounter God. We do value the word, the mission, community. Um, but in some ways, we, we want to look at them and say, are we really living into this? Yeah. Um, and do we want to look at them in a different perspective, in a different light um, that makes them a little more tangible for what sure. the action steps that we're taking are? Um, and so this week, we're looking at encountering God. Um, and I think we wanted to start off by saying that, you know, that's not necessarily a unique value of a church, is it?
1: Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, we're thinking about that, even just the full mission statement that we deeply root ourselves in and we wholeheartedly agree to, right? Like As you said, making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. I wonder what church in Holland would say, yeah, I don't think so. That's not, that's not kind of us, right? Like everybody... Agrees with that, sure. And and so like so, what's so? How is that helpful then? In the same way, right? Like mm-hmm. encountering God daily. You know, who doesn't want to say, nah, just Thursdays? Yeah, Thursday, Thursdays are a my good day for God. me. Yeah, yeah, that's a my schedule's more open. Like everybody wants to encounter God in profound ways that transforms us from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And then I think so and with engaging with our our church and entering the world all of the things that are listed on that wall I think everyone would be able to say a wholehearted amen.
0: Yeah. So then what's different?
1: Yeah, like what's the so what's the big what's the, deal? Yeah. Like why is that unique to Providence or why do we have to refocus on is that is mm-hmm. that help us recognize maybe we haven't done this fully? Sure. And maybe we never will do it fully, but we have to keep going, taking that next step, higher up, deeper into the heart of God and into the mission that he's called us to. And that's where I think it is so important. Like all things, right? Like I think of like birthdays or anniversaries or, you know, remembrances, Mm. right? Those are moments, not to say that we don't do these things all the time, when we celebrate uh, my kid's birthday. It's not. We don't say happy birthday. We celebrate you today. That's not to say. Like, oh, the other 364 days, we don't want to celebrate you. It's like right. no. This is a helpful reminder. The church is in a rhythm. It's not that we don't celebrate the life and death and resurrection of Jesus every day, but we go through seasons of of Advent and Lent and Good Friday and Easter Sunday to remind ourselves of the depth and breadth of how this affects our lives. And so I think it is. It's so beautiful that the mm-hmm. church says, let's refocus. Not to say we have lost focus, right. but maybe it is another reminder saying, oh yeah, let's do this
0: more. Let's mm-hmm. do this better yep. than we've ever done it before. Yep. And so when we're thinking about encountering God, I think the best example that we can look at is how did God's people encounter God through Scripture? Um and what kind of what kind of light can you shed on that, David? As we as we look at um, you know the story of God and His people and how they've, in the past, encountered God and maybe how that compares and contrasts with how we think about encountering God in in this day and age, right?
1: Yeah. So it is interesting, right? Like, God's people are part of a neighborhood, right? There are other people around them. They're not. What I always need to remind myself of is that the people. In the story of scripture, were people. I know that sounds yeah. ridiculous to say because, like, well, yeah, of course there are people because they're people. Uh, but you like, we read them it's just like characters sometimes. Right. Like, yeah. this is a movie script and it's like, oh, like, it's an idea, but it's not. These were people yeah. who lived and walked around and, like, we're literally in the desert mm-hmm. for 40 years. And I forget that. And yet, so if they're actual people at an actual time and an actual place, there are other people also around. Mm-hmm. And so it's always helpful to say, what's in the neighborhood? What's happening around them that God is saying, no, I'm the true God in the midst of this neighborhood of other gods that you find yourself, right? As the people are led out of Egypt, they're led out of a place that is deeply religious, deeply spiritual. And yet God says, no, 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 no. There's only one God and it's me. Come, come on let me lead you out of bondage and out of slavery and it's just it's stunning mm-hmm. and yet there's a piece within an ancient world where the gods are always rooted in a very specific place right so even in the gods of Egypt where gods people are led out of right they're they're rooted in a particular temple so you'd go to the temple of uh, uh, of a particular god and that's where you would worship uh, Amun Ra, right? Because you go to his temple because that's where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, even there's an interesting story in the in the book of um, I think it's Second Kings eight. I'd have to look it up, but um, where Elisha goes and heals Naaman, and it's a really interesting story because Naaman is a is not an Israelite and he's a leper, and and Elisha it's not Second Kings eight. Um, Elisha goes to heal him. And, and it's interesting because as, Eli- as Naaman leaves, Elisha's trying to give him gifts, and, Eli- and, and Naaman's like, nah, I don't need any of that. And Elisha's servant actually gets really upset about all that, and, and yet he wa- all he wants is a couple mules of dirt, hmm. like all that mules can carry, because there's a belief that Naaman believes that the, that the God of Elisha, the God of Israel, has healed him, and if he's going to take god with him he has to take the earth with him because yes. the gods are attached to the earth. And so if that's tr- and god uses that and he says okay i'm going to put myself somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to put myself in the temple. So if you want to find me come to my house. Come on over to my house. And so god said the way in which you will always engage with me is coming over for dinner. And so there's pilgrimage festivals, there's three pilgrimage festivals that the Israelites always and Jesus every time, Paul, every time, he's he's miles across the sea, the apostle Paul is, and suddenly he, and he's in his writing, he's like, Oh, but I gotta get back to Jerusalem for the Passover. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of those festivals right now It's Yom Kippur this weekend. And so there's a there's people are going back home for the high holy days because we have to go to yeah. meet with God, mm-hmm. and so if we're going to encounter him, we go to where he is, and God said, I'm going to put myself seated above some cherubim on a golden box, so if you want to find me, mm-hmm. go there,
0: mm-hmm. and so they did, yeah.
1: and Jesus did. If you want to go meet with his father, he goes back home to Jerusalem, and there his dad is
0: mm-hmm. at the temple. Yeah,
1: It's stunning, yeah. and so like, that's so different, right, because for us, it's not... And it's not because of Christ, right? God has not put himself in a place with a particular nation. It is from every tribe, every nation, every language, every it's, it's everywhere. And so God has left a building, but he's still in a place. Yeah, That's what's remarkable. God mm-hmm. has not abandoned the model of, I'm going to put my presence somewhere. So if you want to find my presence, where should you go? Right. and. Throughout the New Testament, it's pretty clear. If you want to find the very presence of God, the Apostle Paul writes about it in the sense of we.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ. If you want to find God, go where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, yep. and that's where it is. So I see it in you. Right? I see it because if I'm going to meet with God... I'm going to go to you. Mm-hmm. Jesus also says, I'm always going to put my presence in the elements. If you want to see God and you want to experience his love, and there's something miraculous about the bread in the cup. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason why in church history there's been so much debate around, well, what are these things? Yeah. Is it really the body? Is it really the blood? Is it kind of it? Is it not? Is it just symbolic? And it's all because Jesus was so specific in saying, if you want to find me in my presence, come here. And then lastly, he says, I'll be among the least of these. Mm -hmm. If you want to find me, get down and wash feet. Get down and humble yourself. Find someone who, who has less, who is broken, who is in the midst of chaos, or, as Jesus describes it in Matthew 25, who is hungry, who is thirsty, who is a foreigner, who is sick, who is in prison. And yep. Jesus says, when you do it to the least of these, that's me. Yep. I'm there. And so God has still put his presence. If we're going to encounter God, he still says, I'm in a place. Mm-hmm. I'm in my people. Right. I'm in the elements of communion.
0: And I'm in the least of these. So it's interesting. I wanna I wanna dig into that a little bit because I think my perception and probably a lot of our perception as we think about what it means to encounter God has less to do with a community of people and more to do with like a personal devotion time. Like that's that's like what comes to my mind when I think about I need to encounter God, I need to go to my spot in my living room, open up the word Mm. and read the Bible, and that's how I encounter God. Yeah. Um and that's that's different than what i think scripture is compelling us to believe which is that you know god is in our midst but he's 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 really he's placed himself in his church and in his people and in the least of these so why i guess my question for you maybe is what has happened in our maybe daily spiritual habits um where we kind of confine that to one moment maybe in the morning of the day where that's my time to encounter god then we can move on to engaging the church and right like what what has happened where now our mindset Maybe needs to be shifted back.
1: Yeah. So I think two things, right? It's it's hard, and we've even just discovered this now. It's hard to talk about encountering God without talking about engaging with my church and entering the world. Right. Well, it's almost hard to like pull those apart from (laughs) one another because all of a sudden we just we just talk talk about 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 all of them on top of each other, and so that's tricky. Um, I also think God has never stopped moving. It's also why I understand why we call Genesis 1 and 2 the creation narratives, because how all things started and how God was at the center of it all. But he's never stopped creating either. And so these are not moments in time, but this is a God who is living and active and moving in our world. And so I think it's tricky that oftentimes we ask questions like, well, is that biblical? Hmm. And I understand the question And yet, I think it's hard to define if something is biblical or unbiblical. Is there one
0: verse in the Bible that proves that this is true? Right, right. That's what we're asking. Right,
1: that's kind of the thing, which is what I think has happened is we've we've segmented this book out, and that's not how you navigate a holy scripture. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A holy scripture is a whole. For even when we say that in church, after we read a section, this is is the Word of the Lord. It's not the words, because the individual mm. words have come down through the work of the Spirit, through translation, and all kinds of things, but it's the Word, yeah. the one holistic gospel of Jesus Christ and the people who are charged to bringing it to bear on earth as it is in heaven. That's biblical. Yeah. Now we can ask, what was happening in an ancient world, and how did they <laughs> navigate it, and those things? So is personal devotions biblical? Yes, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Do we find it in the pages of Scripture? Not really. Yeah. But it's biblical. Right? So I think it's a tricky it's a tricky yeah. way to define things. Is your time reading the words of Jesus in the whole of Scripture a profitable thing for God's people to do one hundred percent? Right. I do think it's dangerous to do alone. Hmm. This is Holy scriptures are meant to be interpreted as a community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can, and, so, and this is like this is why we have denominations. Hmm. No one's going down and, and, and just pulling things out of the air and be like, oh, now we believe this, going back to the elements of communion. No one goes to say we believe in transubstantiation or consubstantiation or nice really theological terms that no one will want to look up. Well, actually you can't quite exciting if you care. Anyway, moving on. No one gets those theological perspectives by just pulling something out of there. It comes directly out of scripture. Yeah. Like Southern Baptist coalition, Anglican, uh, Catholic, no one's all those theological perspectives are rooted deeply in what the words of scripture say, and yet they're also very different. Yeah, very different. And so that's so confusing. That's why the community matters. And so it is important and, and profitable for God's people to go and spend time to stop the mind from buzzing in a direction so that the heart might catch up and orient us by the spirit of the living God to the mm. ways and the will of God. Mm-hmm. When we do that in isolation and with our own worldviews coming first, right. that's a danger. So it almost makes you think of going back to an ancient people, when, when Pharaoh... Right, Moses Moses is charged by, by, by God Said, go up to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And by the way, it's not going to go well. Uh, and Moses is like, well, that sounds terrible. He's like, mm-hmm, yeah, it's going to be. Um, really reassuring. Anyway, um, God's, it, our, our scriptures say that when Moses goes up there, he says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. It's a really poor translation. Um, it has to do with the will and desire of Pharaoh. And all God did... In the original Hebrew, it would better read, um, and God strengthened Pharaoh's already rooted desire. Mm-hmm. That is to say, Pharaoh always wanted it to be about Pharaoh. All God did was let him go down that road. Mm-hmm. So often, I can even I can even read this book, so it takes me down my own road. All right. And not down the road of the gospel of Jesus Christ wanting to make a gospel difference in this world.
0: And I think that's interesting. Coming from someone who has had a lot of time spent in their life studying scripture, that is still something that you are prone to, right? Wholeheartedly. You know, and I think we all are, which which leads us to, leads me to really just think about like when I'm reading the scripture, when I'm reading any particular book of the Bible, whether it's, you know, um, New Testament, Old Testament stories—like there are so many variables that are happening in our own psyches and life experiences that are influencing how we read this—and um, I think that's part of, of the danger mm-hmm. of when it becomes so individualistic, yeah. um, when it becomes so this is my time to spend with God—and um, we don't we don't look at it in the context of. What is what is our body of Christ believing about yeah. this, as opposed to what kind of what what have I come to believe about this? Um, it happens so subconsciously, probably, but that begins totally. to shape a lot of our theology. That begins to shape how we view the world. That begins to shape how we view other people, and it's all rooted in, in a lot of ways, um, our own personal um, maybe biases, right?
1: Totally, I think that's just it, right? And so suddenly we start defining Jesus or discipleship or Christianity. On our own terms, hmm. and I think that is where then the, the consternation, or questions, or disagreements, and denominational variations, right, have come from historically. Hmm. Is because right, and again, like I, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a Calvinist, um, and yet, like, in the the root of the Reformation was people like John Calvin and Martin Luther and Zwingli and others of that tribe are saying, no, the institution does not get to define the religion. I do. Hmm. Um, and it's an interest again, like, the church had gone wrong. Hmm. And yet, and, and again, all of those reformers never intended to be outside of that, but were excommunicated out. Um, and yet, they felt lost. Luther writes a lot in his in his book, Table Talk, just saying, like, How lost he felt after being excommunicated because raising these questions was not an intent to leave, Mm -hmm. but to stay and to heal. And all of a sudden, he found himself on the outside. He didn't intend to define it differently outside of uh, himself, as an individual, but as a community. And yet, what came out of that over the last 500 years is an increasingly, in the West, an increasing definition of the faith by the individual mm-hmm. and not by the institution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think in the American church we've seen that on steroids mm. um, and not just within but like in, in institutions, we don't want institutions to define for me the faith or my own health and wellness. right? So instead of like taking my doctor's word, I'm gonna go get six other opinions, or at least I'm going to find a doctor who' agrees with mine because I did a right. web MD search. Well, right. that's
0: that's the weird thing about the day we live in, is that we can find a pretty well sourced opinion to back us up on anything that we want to. Totally. Right. It is both hysterical and
1: frightening. <laughs> yeah. Right? How easy it is to find someone who will agree with like we could come up with a wacky idea that, you know, pink elephants solving differential equations is the way in which you best experience Jesus. I bet there's somebody on the internet that's mm-hmm. already written about that. There's
0: an article for sure. I'm you could Google sure. it. I'm sure.
1: And we'd call it an article. <laughs> right. Oh, I read an article the other day. Yeah, exactly. Did you? Is that an article or some <laughs> weird tweet? Right? So anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But I think that's exactly... I think those are the questions we need to be asking mm-hmm. ourselves is... How am I encountering God? Am I doing this kind of in an echo chamber Mm -hmm. where I'm just trying to find someone who agrees with me so I don't have to move higher up and deeper in to a relationship? And relationship, I think, too, that language has been co-opted where we don't even know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, right, like so when we think about options of like, oh, I have to deepen my relationship with Jesus, I don't even know what that means Mm -hmm. anymore. Does that mean Mm -hmm. I need to get my emotional high by coming in to worship with other people and singing the songs that I like to sing? Mm -hmm. Is that what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if that's it, right, or is it just because I donate to the right causes that is that's then oh, I'm doing my Christian duty. And that's helping my relationship with Jesus. But if I were to say that to my wife, right, hey, I'm going to pay the bills. And then every once in a while, I'm going to get my emotional high from our relationship. Other than that, you just got to figure it out yourself. Uh, that would not, that would be a over. bad day at our house. Yeah. But we've almost defined relationship with Jesus in those terms. Um And So again, I think there's just a lot... We're at a moment within the context of the Christian church in America where I think it is profitable for us to ask better questions and then have the courage to step into those questions as we encounter God daily Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as a community with a vision of going out into the world to bring hope and light and justice and righteousness and Mm -hmm. love and grace and
0: mercy to a people and a world that needs it desperately. And I want to get into that specifically in a a minute, but I have one question that I was thinking of as we're talking about, um, reading, reading the Bible in in our, in our personal time, which I don't think either of us are saying is a thing that we should stop doing. I think that's something we should continue to do. Um, so something, something that, um, I think maybe are on many people's hearts as we talk about um, our own interpretation of scripture and how we engage with that um, is the element of the Holy spirit and how he leads in that. Um, Cause I think for many people made like for myself, I may jump on, a defense of saying, you know, I believe that this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me in my time, and I'm being led by the Holy Spirit um, in how I'm reading the Bible. And he's He's speaking to me through this. Um, how does that relate to the difference in that experience um, as it relates to reading and interpreting Scripture as a whole community and how the Spirit moves in that way. Um, How do we work those two things together, and why are both important? So I
1: think one of the ways as we grow and mature as followers of Jesus, we're able to discern that better. That's wisdom, Hmm. right? That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the capacity to discern reality and the vision and mission of God through the power of the Spirit in our own lives. Proverbs is clear that wisdom has no glass ceiling. You will never arrive, and you will never hit the moment where you have it all. And it is accruable. In other words, that is to say, so for instance, I am not what one would consider a sportsy fella. I could probably be more so, right? I could probably, I, I'm sure I could get better at basketball than I am now, mm-hmm. since it's been, you know, a decade or so <laughs> since I tried. I could get better than I am today. But there's also going to be a point. I will never be as good as Kevin Kuhnman, right, for instance, who goes mm-hmm. here and is a very good basketballer, or, or...
0: Another famous <laughs> movie, Michael Jordan. Sure, I was going to give you some examples, but great, Michael Jordan will work. Yeah, yep. number twenty three, I think. Yes,
1: um, is. Right, I will never. Be, I will not, like. There's a
0: glass ceiling. There's a moment where you've I got will, a threshold that you will never exceed.
1: Exactly. I I could I can play uh, the piano ish. I will never be a musician like you. God has given you a gift.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In you, that's just how you're wired, right. or or bass, or whatever it is. Wisdom doesn't work that way. And mm-hmm. Proverbs is clear. Wisdom does not work that way. Wisdom can be accrued through the power and the presence of the Spirit mm-hmm. when our hearts are softened. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, it goes back to that same Pharaoh story. Like, if my heart is hardened, God will allow me to go down that path. If I continue to pray that God soften my heart, break my heart for what breaks yours, mm-hmm. do it now, please,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then be willing to be to go that way uh, is a secondary big question. Yeah, yeah. So I think wisdom helps us navigate that, right? Because I also want to make sure that it wasn't the bad burrito I ate last night.
0: Right. I mean, mean, that can be the spirit, too, but it's a very different spirit. And that takes a lot of... Sometimes that is not as easy to discern as you might think. 100%. Like, that's, I think, the hard part, right? That's why I can find that Mm -hmm. pink elephant doing
1: differential equations is the way to the Messiah. There's kind of that
0: confirmation bias where, like, hey, this bad burrito said something, and then I found something online that confirmed it. It was the Holy Spirit. 100%. (laughs) And that goes back to the point of when Jesus talks about his
1: unity with the Father and with the Spirit, that cosmic unity is the same unity that we as the church are called into, and it will not confuse us. Mm -hmm. If a group of wisdom-seeking followers of Jesus are conflicted, and are willing to soften their hearts before the throne of God, the Spirit will not, the Scriptures are clear, will not send conflicting Mm -hmm. messages. So why do we have so many conflictions right now? One, we're not listening. I think we've become a people who are hard of hearing because I would rather keep my life the way it is and not move into the other than the fact that I want to make it look like a, 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 I have it all together with a faith commitment, mm-hmm. I really don't want to because that's harder, or, or second, because we've decidedly decided to break ourselves up
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that gives me more power, that gives me more control over those pieces. Um, and so I think that is, it's is the spirit will not confuse mm-hmm. if, big if, if we're deliberately seeking His will mm-hmm. and way, and I th- I say this to high schoolers all the time. I don't think it's hard to discern the will of the Father. Again, it's not confusing. <laughs> he it's 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 very it's very simple to understand. It's just way harder to do. Yep. He's called us into a world to bring shalom to chaos. Yeah. One, am I able to identify chaos well? I think we have a hard time identifying chaos.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And we we think that as long as... It's why I don't like the language of in the creation narrative when we talk about like, oh, God brings order out of chaos. Because we define order as everything in its place. So if I were to take a picture of my backyard after I mow it, um, most West Michiganders and Hollanders would be like, that's order. Mm-hmm. I see the nice dark stripe, the lighter stripe, the dark stripe, Parallel and it looks lines. and it's it is, by the way, beautiful. <laughs> if I were to take a picture, most of us that's orderly. If I were to take a picture of my backyard on most every other day with just like, you know, kiddie pools and you know, soccer balls and jump. I mean, just there's, there's just stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. We probably won't describe that as order. We would probably describe that as flourishing. Mm-hmm. That's what God does. He puts things where they where they must go so that they might work, right? So like, the sun's orbit and I mean the Earth's orbit around the sun and all of these things that is where it belongs. But there's also flourishing. If I told my kids you they never go in the backyard because it looks too nice and orderly, that wouldn't be a a good dad. We got to get out there. We got to run around. We got to play soccer. We got to jump in the kiddie pool. We got to we got to dig in the dirt. Like let's go. That's flourishing. Mm -hmm. That's a That's enjoying the creation that God has said, take care of this. In that, when we start thinking around terms of, oftentimes we think, well, order. So if if everything looks nice, then that's the way God wants it to be. Maybe, but maybe there's even more. Maybe there's flourishing for us. And there's shalom. And sometimes... Bringing about shalom means you got to get really dirty in the same way me playing with my kids mm-hmm. makes me really dirty or get hit with the hose. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: beautiful. I almost think that there's a part of us in, in the way that the enemy wants to prevent that from happening, that we we are, for some reason, we are so hesitant to, like you said, to see that chaos and and to see the ways that we need to bring shalom into different places, we almost like we need so much prompting and push and evidence or whatever it is to to see that that we need to step into as believers and as as kingdom bringers. Um, you said something interesting um, earlier this week as you we were talking through uh, this week and for worship that there's something unique about um, the narrative in in scripture as it's different from other religious texts that, um, when we think about the image of God mm. being placed on people, um, so like we're, we're probably brought up knowing and believing that, you know, we all bear the image of God. Um, that is a unique idea, right? And, and in the sense that in other, um, religious narratives, you know, the image of God is placed on a King or is placed yeah. on a person who is then meant to kind of bring, like show that image to people. So people want to see God, they look at a person. Yep. Whereas what we're saying and what, what the Bible tells us is that we all bear that image. And yeah. so to encounter God um, means encountering people.
1: Totally. So I think that's the tricky part, right? So again, uh, back to what we said earlier, right? They're in a neighborhood. Like the Israelites, as they're reading their Holy Scripture that we get to engage with as well, they're in a neighborhood of people who also have a Scripture, Mm -hmm. who also have a holy Mm -hmm. text, Mm -hmm. and their holy texts read differently. Whether it is Babylonian or Egyptian or Assyrian, they all have these holy texts of how their world came to be. I mean, uh, the ancient people were deeply religious and spiritual, so they're asking those same questions like, I wonder how this came to be. And they all have a creation narrative. All of their creation narratives have the gods in a relationship with their people to the degree that the gods put images of themselves on Mm -hmm. people. So in the Egyptian world, the gods put their image on Pharaoh. So if you want to know what God's like, go look at Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh's going to be the one that shows you. If you want to know what the gods of Babylon look like, go look at Nebuchadnezzar or of Assyria. You got to go look at... Tiglath Pileser, whoever it is, go look at the king, the ruler, the pharaoh. That's where their narratives say the image of God is placed. God says, "No, that's not." I'm not just going to put it on one. I'm going to put it on everybody. Where we, I think, with oftentimes in the Christian world, we've defined that, or at least this is what I was taught as a child: is like, "Oh, so then everyone has they're all everybody's special." Right, so you have to respect people because th- they have the image of God, and that is one hundred percent true. But I think it's only fifty percent. Right? Yes, you should do that for a lot of reasons, but partly because they bear the image of God, but also just as important, and you have a distinct responsibility to cloak yourself with justice and righteousness so that the people that you interact with might actually see him well. Mm-hmm. That's the tricky part, mm-hmm. is that if God puts his image on everybody, then we, I think, by the way in which we are created, we see people and think, that must be the way that God works. Yep. And in our world, that is why I think, is there a microscope on Christians right now? And I think wholeheartedly, And I say, thanks be to God, because that's what we signed up for. Christians should always be under a microscope, because it is on us to show the world what God is like. And if we are not showing that well,
0: that's on us, not on Him. So I want to ask you a question, David, um, as it relates to that idea. Um, And going back to what we kind of talked about, already is the difference between how, when I think about the words encountering God, the images that come into my mind of sitting in my living room and encountering God through my prayer time or whatever that is. um, What have we done poorly in this? um, Hmm. Or what have we not done at all Hmm. that is making us ask this question? um, How do I actually encounter God? Um, And where do you see us in in lieu of we are all image bears, and mm-hmm. to meet with God means meeting with people, bringing shalom to chaos, mm-hmm. and what is our our role as part of the Church of Christ in doing that? Um, and what do we need to change about the way we live? Yeah. Which is a big I, question.
1: I've, I've, uh, I'll start there. I've realized I have to change everything about mm-hmm. the way I live, which has been a real bummer, to <laughs> be honest. Um, I think if we strip it away... I've been stunned by how far I've gone off track um, that's been a, a journey for us as a family um, mm-hmm. and it's been really hard um, because it's asked us to really examine every area of our lives um, that that's been that's been I'd, I'd say more difficult than I had ever imagined um, and that's but again, that's also what I signed up for, right? Like right. the ho- whole idea of like, for I have been crucified with Christ has been more of a, I put a crucifix on my door, Sure. right? Like I'd rather not give anything up where he's saying, no, 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 get you all of it.
0: All
1: of it. Hate and, your mother,
0: hate your father.
1: Yeah. Like it is everything. And that has been tricky. Um so that's. I'll answer the last one first, I suppose. But I think because of that, it's asked us to say what are the areas that I have been blind to, yeah. and and maybe intentionally because mm-hmm. I didn't want to. Um, but I also think there's something to the vision that I've inherited, um, yeah. and I think there's there's power in that because as as a kid. As a, I'm not a kid anymore, just act like one. But, like, as a person who's grown up in this community my whole life, um, I've inherited a vision of the faith that's been given to me through, you know, flannel boards in Sunday school and mm-hmm. through song and through, you know, emphases. And again, that's beautiful. And
0: each one of us have that, regardless of how we've grown up. Totally. If
1: you've grown up here, or so, for instance, right when I when I lived in Israel, we helped out on Friday afternoons at an orphanage in town on East in East Jerusalem, uh, just inside the city gate uh, walls in East Jerusalem. And these are Palestinian kids who have never been outside the city walls. Hmm. That's a mile. The oldest kids there were twelve. It's crazy. So they, too, lived in a, a bubble, It was a very, very different bubble than mine. Yep. Right? So they were inheriting something, too. And I've inherited something. To look deeply at what I have inherited and ask the question, is that the right inheritance? Mm-hmm. It's the same question that is asked in the prodigal story. It's the same question asked in the parable of the, uh, of the talents, saying, like, you're given something. What are you doing with what you've been given? Is what you've been given the right thing, and then have you acted on that well? Have you gone and done something with what you've inherited? I find it a gift that I I have known Jesus my whole life. My parents were deeply rooted and faithful people, Mm -hmm. and I am so blessed to have never thought back to say I didn't know Jesus, Mm -hmm. and yet... Every aspect of that is also asking me, ask questions. Is there more? Because turns out there always is. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is where suddenly those big questions of where is he calling me to go? And often it's messy, it's hard, it's undefined. I don't know the end game uh, or where the road was going to take me, but God is saying, go down this road. Mm-hmm. and love people, care for people, sit with people, listen to people uh, who maybe, right, in the same way Jesus got in trouble for, like who your, your tradition would say, those are not the ones you should be hanging with. In the same way that Jesus got that pushback from the Pharisees and the Sadducees yep. and the Herodians and, and others, Right. Because, but those are the people, for he's come for the sick and not
0: for the well.
1: Mm-hmm. The well he's calling to go and bring healing to the sick.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of with the, the parable of the lost sheep, which we probably know pretty well. Like We know what kind of what that's about, but sometimes I forget why Jesus was telling that parable, and he was telling it to Pharisees who were asking him, why are you hanging out with these people? Yeah. Why, why are you spending your time with people who... Um, they believed as like foreigners to the faith, outsiders, and I think throughout Jesus' life, those were exactly the people that he put himself with. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an interesting example. We think about that in, like, that seems like such a different life context, but in some ways, that's exactly the context that we are in right now. Totally. Like, we surround ourselves with people um, often that have very similar belief systems, have very similar ideas, have very similar backgrounds, have a lot of that same inheritance, and we have to be intentional in some ways about finding others and spending time with others. Because if we don't, I think we naturally gravitate towards people who are similar to us.
1: It's interesting because in Luke 15, that's where that the Luke 15 starts mm-hmm. is with that parable. And Jesus is taking his listeners, the Pharisees down a really intense mm-hmm. journey. He's saying, okay, so there's a hundred sheep ones missing. What are you going to do? The next story there's a missing coin, 10 out of one, what's gonna happen? And then is the story of the prodigal son. Hmm. So he's saying, okay, would you go look if it was one out of 100? Well, what if it's one out of 10? Hmm. And then he says, well, what if it's one out of two? And then the story ends and we realize the lost son wasn't the one that went to a far off country. It's the one who stayed to quote, do his due diligence because the story ends with the father going to the older son saying, are you going to come into the party? And then it ends. <laughs> and the question is to those Pharisees, because that's who he's talking to. He's like, so are you just going to stay on the outside, do your religious thing? Or are you going to come in? Yeah. And that's us. That's me. Yep. That is me. Yep. And Jesus is saying, he's taking me down the same journey of, are you, are you going to celebrate if one out of a hundred comes back? Are you going to celebrate if one out of ten comes back? Are you going to celebrate if one out of two comes back? Yeah. Are you going to come in and celebrate because you've decided the old has gone, the new has come? I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's the gospel. I am too sick of sitting on the sideline yeah. and putting a cross on my door instead of putting myself on the cross. Mm-hmm. That's discipleship. I want to come into the party to celebrate, but I have to enter the chaos. That, if you enter chaos of the others in this world, I promise you, and it's not from me, but it's from the way in which God has defined the gospel from the dawn of creation, you will be the image of God to a broken world. If you enter chaos, that, Mm -hmm. that is how
0: you encounter Mm -hmm. God daily. Absolutely as we As we think about moving into that space, I, to me, a word that has sort of encompassed this conversation in, in my own um, thoughts about this that I need to practice is humility. Mm-hmm. Um, as we think about um, I think looking at the world, um, looking for chaos that that God is calling us to walk into, as we as we look at how we read the Bible, and, and maybe some of the ways that we um, were so influenced by our own thoughts and our own desires and our own ambitions, um, there is like this posture that I think the very first thing that we have to do is be able to deny ourselves mm. and listen to other people mm. with an open mind because um, that's what being in a community requires. Um, you have to be able to... Um, deny yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so hard to do, especially if you're not someone who... uh, It's hard for all of us to do because that is not in our human nature. That's what Paul says all throughout Romans is that I don't do what I want to do. I end up doing what I don't want to do. Why is that? I heard an interesting analogy by someone who said, it's like if I were going to walk out of this room, there's a there's a stool over here. And if I am going to go into the tech booth right now, I know that I'm going to avoid that stool and walk out the door. Um, I would not, It's like it would be the same thing as if I just walk out and I just knock the stool over. It's like, I don't want to do that, but that's the way we live sometimes totally. is that we just do things that we know we don't are, but, but that's part of who we are as humans. And so I think in order to walk in union with Jesus Christ, it first requires us to hu- humble our own hearts humble ourselves um, and what a beautiful picture that is if we can do that together as a church totally and then begin to really make disciples of Jesus
1: and that it, it is I mean and that's time and time again in scripture the way in which the transformation of the kingdom begins is with humility it's when people get on their knees and know or and, and basically say I don't I don't have this. I can't do this. It's not on me. It's on the only because of the work of Jesus is this a thing? It's I have a good friend of mine who's a professor, pastor, brilliant biblical scholar. Like people from around the world call him for his opinion on things. Mm-hmm. And every time that I talk to him, I say, "Hey, what? T- tell me more about like this, you know, story or whatever." He's like, "I don't know," <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, you do." He's like, well, you know, you could go here and here. And then, like, there's this is big thing. But, like, his posture is so—and it's not—it it happens every single time, and it drives me nuts because he does know. But I wonder if my default answer was regularly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think of this? I don't know. Here's what Jesus has been showing me about what it means to enter in— to the hurt and pain of others so that they might see God Mm -hmm. through me because how beautiful are the feet of those on the mountain who bring good news and proclaim our God reigns if people see that then the kingdom has come and we've encountered God Mm
0: -hmm. it's powerful and challenging, but um, so good to wrestle with. And I think it's something that it's a daily challenge. Mm-hmm. It's daily. It's not one decision that we make. This is this is such an important thing to. It's so easy to understand, but so hard to put into practice. Is that every day I need to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, because every day I wake up. Guess what? My flesh wants to do what my flesh wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just encourage us as a church. I think for a lot of us, that first step um, as we want to live more fully and deeply into the ministry of what Jesus has for his church, for his kingdom of bringing shalom to earth is maybe there are some of those things that we've inherited that are so subconscious. Maybe there are some of the things about our walk with Jesus that we just need to evaluate, that we need to just set it aside for a moment um, and say, what is Jesus really calling me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that first step is, is is maybe just humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, I need to be fully aware that in my flesh, um, I can do no good, but yeah. with Jesus, I can do all things. Amen. Um, So that's kind of our prayer for us as we move forward, as we talk about our values, as we talk about um, encountering God, engaging the church and entering the world, um, that we would do it together, not personally. Um, There are personal aspects to it, but this is a communal call. This is a church-wide call, um, and we have to be unified. David, would you mind um, maybe praying for us before we leave? You bet. Hey, let's pray, folks. Father, may your majesty
1: be known through the whole of the earth because of the way in which you have empowered us by your Spirit, which comes to us only because of the blood of the Lamb. May we be humbled by the gift, the sacrifice, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus so that we might submit ourselves wholly and completely to your sovereign good pleasure. Use us as your active agents in bringing hope and light, justice and righteousness to a world that needs it so desperately for your name and for your fame. We pray these things in the resurrected name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us, David. Thanks. You're the man.